Hey guys, welcome to 10 out of 10 reviews. Today we're gonna to be talking about a bunch of local stories from our home state of Utah. That's why it's 10 out of 10, hauntingly local. It's the first in our series of Spooktober episodes where we're gonna be talking about a bunch of different scary things. So be sure to tune in for more of that. I think the first one I wanna talk about is the Voodoo Caves up near the Beaver Dam Mountains. Okay. It's a weird thing. There's this drainage pipe. It's not a cave. It's a pipe, like a concrete one, uh, that comes out of the side of the mountain that just drains extra water into a river just to get rid of the extra water. But it's mostly dry because it's in a drier part of Utah. But the locals have a bunch of weird stories about the cave and how it's super satanic and it'll, it'll get you. You can die in it if you go in it. Because the idea is that a bunch of years back... A bunch of Satanists during the 80s, during the Satanic Panic times, they would go in and they would do all their rituals there. And now it's cursed and you have to go in and like clean all the Satanic writing off the wall all the time. Uh, a big part of it is that a bunch of years back, an employee was in the tunnel trying to clear out some like branches and leaves and stuff while it was running really dry. And it should have been really dry. It was in a dry part of the year. But while he was in there, he, he was moving some branches, and the water started flowing, like, way too fast for the time of year it was. And this is a grown man, a healthy man, who works in these pipes all the time. He drowns in, like, three inches of water. Huh. So something probably was pinning him down, is the belief. And the, the idea spread by the locals is that if anybody goes in and is a threat to, like, the holy place that the Satanists have made it, I guess an unholy place <laughs> that the Satanists have made it, if you threaten that or you disparage Satan while you're in there, he'll get you. He'll drown you in there. So this guy goes in and he's just like, man, you know what? Fuck Satan while he's moving branches. I He must have had an unpure heart, I guess, or a too pure of heart. My favorite part is if you talk to teenagers now, they still hang out in the pipes because now it's a scary place. You bring a date to, so she thinks you're tough. And they say that if you're in the caves at night, it's just a pipe, so it's not a very scary cave at all. But if you're in there and you start disparaging Satan, there will be too many shadows. There'll be a shadow of a man in there who wasn't hanging out with you, and this extra shadow will show up, and then he'll disappear, and then the water flowing in the pipe will flow backwards, back up the hill oh, and into the pipe. That's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. I want to know how these teenagers are getting down to this pipe because my only experience with dams, you don't you don't just get to walk to the base of the dam. They have security and fences. I don't think it's on a dam like the Hoover Dam. I think the Beaver Dam mountains are named after something else. Oh, so like, like actual beaver dams. I forgot that beavers are. I don't know are... if we have beavers here, but yeah. <laughs> I forgot that beavers are an animal and not just a shitty town. I don't know where the Beaver Dam mountains are, but if we ever go up there. Maybe we'll go in and tell Satan to fuck off and see if we get got. I'm going to have to try it. I really want to know what actually happened to that employee. Maybe it turns out there's just a homeless guy living in those tunnels. And he bashed him over the head. And that's why there's too many shadows. I like the idea that maybe like his name is Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so people are like, oh, fuck Satan. So he has He's no like, idea. Hey. <laughs> he thinks they're just talking shit about yeah. him. He's like, I'm just living my life in this cave. In this pipe that I call a cave. That does sound like some stupid 80s bullshit where, like, oh, the Satanists are there. But it was probably somebody just, like, wrote fuck on the wall in spray paint. Yeah, and, they, like, they were probably just smoking weed, and all the parents were like, they ate my baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Where... We don't have millions of, like, missing babies in the U.S., but if you ask an old person, the Satanists ate, like, a thousand babies. It's weird. I mean, when you smoke weed, you do get pretty hungry. <laughs> I, I'll give them that. So maybe sometimes you put a baby on a nice big, like, like a hoagie bun, and you just you eat it because you're hungry, and they, they've got the softest flesh. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a very modest proposal. <laughs> that, was a, that was a sick literary reference. <laughs> if you're not here for nerd jokes, what are you here for? Anyway, now Max, you had a story for us. What do you got? Yeah, right. So I got John Baptiste. So back in the 1800s, he was one of the first gravediggers 
to ever be hired in Salt Lake City. And he lived in a two-room house. He was known to be a very hard worker. He was never late. And then basically three years after he moved to Utah and started working, a man died mm-hmm. and they buried him. The man's brother came from a different state to claim his body and take it back to his hometown because they had like a family plot. And when they dug up the body, they found that it was naked and it had been flipped over like it had been dumped there. Just just an ass up naked guy in yeah, the coffin? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so they started, they started investigating and immediately fingered John Baptist. And so basically they started surveilling him and the cemetery. And one night they saw him just carrying a, a wheelbarrow from a grave to a shed. So they stopped him and wheelbarrow was full of clothes. So he was, he was just stealing the clothes? Just stealing or? the clothes. And so they immediately arrested him. And they went and searched his house and found clothes from over 350 dead bodies that he had been stealing. Hot damn. And he only been there for three years. So that's that's a lot of naked people. It's a lot of naked people. And so when they arrested him, this was like the 1800s, so they just banished him to an island. (laughs) Nobody knows what island it is. Like some people just say it's Antelope Island. They just took him out there and dumped him off. And then a few years later... They went back to check on him, and he was gone. There was like remains of a fire. He wasn't there. So when he was when he was grave robbing, did he just smell like dead people clothes all the time? Probably. <laughs> he just some weird dude stealing corpse clothes. Clo- <laughs> clothes. <laughs> <laughs> He's just some weird dude stealing corpse clothes so that he can just look fly. I guess. I mean, like, what if? Imagine though, you're like working. You just got a sweet jacket. <laughs> Like, damn, I want that jacket. Is that how it started? He buried that rich guy from out of town and was like, I want that jacket. I'll come back later. That's a sick Nike's windbreaker. <laughs> I could just take that. Like, Why didn't he just take the clothes before he buried them? Why was he digging up the graves to... I bet this dude was ripped. Probably. So, like, like just on a side note, he's digging that many graves? Yeah. He should have killed those guys with a shovel. Yeah. He, well, he probably felt guilty. He'd probably been feeling guilty. And then they caught him, and he was like, yeah. Basically, once everyone found out about it, tons of people came to Utah to make sure that their family members weren't in the graves that were dug up. And uh, they sold a lot of the clothes they found to secondhand stores. That's gross. That's gross. Every time you buy clothes from a secondhand store, it belongs to a dead person. Someone has died in every thrift store clothing item? Possibly. All of them. Gross. And so now, to tie this back into creepy stuff, there's a, there's a legend that he just walks the shores of the Great Salt Lake. That's a sad haunting ground. Just holding, just holding a bundle of just soaking wet, rotting clothes. Ooh. Especially, the Salt Lake just always smells like egg farts. Just sulfur and... <laughs> I'm glad you described it as egg farts. It does. For anybody who hasn't been to the Great Salt Lake, it is, it's not a magical place. It's not a beautiful place. There's nothing good about it. It just reeks of the rotting corpses of brine shrimp at all times. It is a horrible place to be. I guess that's fitting. That's what you get for grave robbing. You get to haunt just the biggest shithole in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Michaela, you had another story for us. I do have another story. This one's weirder. So people kind of all over the place when they're passing through Utah, a lot of the time they'll go to Temple Square and like see some lights and like see a temple because Mormons are like zoo animals if you're not from around here. You just look at them like, oh, they're wearing a tank top over a cap sleeve. Weird. Being a, being a Mormon, being a person from Utah who's not a Mormon, it's like you're a zoo animal. Oh, it does feel that way. <laughs> I agree. But another stop they'll go through is this little bitty gravestone in the corner of just a random little bitty cemetery. It's not a big old memorial. It's just one small little gravestone for a woman named Lily E. Gray. And the reason people come all over, because on the epitaph where you would normally see things that say like, loving mother, enduring husband, in memory of, it says, victim of the beast 666. Oh, that's Mm. rad. I want that on mine. Oh my god. No matter how I die, you have to put victim of the beast 666 on my headstone. Do you think Maiden's ever played at her gravestone? Oh, that would be (laughs) tight. But they play every song but Number of the Beast. That would be disappointing. <laughs> Actually, that would be... There's a bunch of theories about why her gravestone says this horrible thing. Some people think she, like, got run over 
by something on like Highway 666, which got renamed to something else recently. A lot of people think that maybe she uh, fucked Aleister Crowley and her family blamed him for her death. But he died in 47 and she didn't move to Salt Lake until 1950. So we're not sure. But wait a second, if she was killed on Highway 666... And she's the victim of the beast. It was just some asshole who called his truck the beast. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say, even if she came to Utah after Crowley's death, it's still possible he fucked her. That man fucked everything he could. And I'm willing to guarantee that he could fuck from beyond the grave. Maybe it was Aleister Crowley. Uh, I looked up another theory. Uh, this lady, Rochelle Hawks, she went through a ton of Utah records, birth certificates, death certificates, marriages, legal documents, everything she could find from the time period. I think I said 1950 a minute ago. I definitely meant 1850, which explains why we don't have very good records of any of these people. And there were a bunch of people in Utah with like all the same names because it was the past and you didn't have social security numbers. So we're not 100% sure of any of this, but the paperwork we do have is confusing because on the gravestone, it's Lily with two L's. But the death certificate we have that matches the date of death is Lily with one L. Hmm. And the, birth, uh, the headstone says that she was born June 4th, 1880. But her gravestone says June 6th, 1881. Weird. Mm-hmm. And so whoever carved her headstone carved it wrong. Or two Lily E. Grays died at really similar times. And I think Occam's Razor, her husband just, like, got her gravestone marked up incorrectly. Ooh, that's fucked up. Because, like, not remembering your wife's birthday is, like, a dick move. Or just, like, accidentally calling your wife the victim of the beast. (laughs) But but putting the wrong date on the headstone for her birthday, I feel like that gets you haunted. Yeah, some people think he did it on purpose. By making her, like, June 6th victim 666. So he was, like, adding on to the spook factor and then also just forgot how old she was. (laughs) Because he got the year wrong. He's like, shit, what was my wife's birthday? She said she was 29. (laughs) She was really just didn't want to be 30 yet. Maybe that's all it was. Um, But they, this Rochelle Hawks person, she went through a bunch of records. She found a bunch of paperwork for Elmer Gray, and there were a bunch of them in the state at the same time, so we're not 100% sure about the paperwork again, but we can be pretty sure that the same guy was in the paperwork we have because he was sentenced to go to jail for stealing a $3 umbrella. So he was <laughs> he was sentenced, this is the best part, to five days on the rock pile. What? Is that is that a punishment? You just like chill on a rock pile? I think you or... have to break the rocks. Oh. All right, that's a little more, okay. Yeah, I think it's like that SpongeBob episode where they go to jail and they had to, like, pickaxe the rocks. Yeah, okay. And so he stole this $3 umbrella. He went to jail for five days. But we have an appeals process from him. It's a criminal pardons application. And this man, this man was crazy, mentally ill, anti-government. Now, before we hop into his application, which I'm sure is a gem, he, he couldn't just deal with the five days? No. Within five days, he put in the application to be pardoned because, like, you know that that process takes, like, at least a week. Like, he's just wasting everybody's time putting this application in. Well, he seemed to think that he was in prison for way longer than the five days because of what he's written on his application. So I want to go through it. So it's way, it's typed up on a typewriter, and then it's given to them, and then they put it in the typewriter and type on top of it. Mm-hmm. He has made a lot of edits to this application. So any place where it says serving he's replaced it with the word kidnapped so instead of saying i am serving my jail sentence under the name of whatever he's he's crossed out serving and written kidnapped (laughs) so he says my name is elmer l gray i hereby apply to your honorable body for an end to this false termination he says he's number 6700 under the name woodrow lamb a bum which is not the name that he's just written a line above. So he's he's like, they think I'm this bum named Woodrow Lamb. And he says his birthday, and he says where he's from, and he says the name of his parents, and on the line for the address of his parents, he says, both dead, died of grief, when kidnappers murdered my wife. It says, I was sentenced to the Utah State Prison on never been in court. He asks for the parole department, and he leaves that blank. They say, my offense was, this is the best part, he writes, kidnapped by five Democrat officials. So you're saying 
Hillary Clinton had his wife suicided because she knew too much about the Bernie Sanders campaign. Yes. It was the Democrats who did it. All right, good. He says, I pleaded, and instead of saying pleaded guilty or not guilty, he says, never been in court again. My occupation was a Union Pacific carpenter. Name and address of person who will assist in obtaining employment. Am kidnapped. Have heard from no friend for 10 years. Kidnappers won't allow it. But he's been there for less than five days by this point. Mm -hmm. We don't have any record of anyone being in the jail named this name for 10 years. We only have record of someone being there for five days. Weird. He says, name and address a person who will appear before the Board of Pardons meeting. No one will even know it but the Democrat kidnappers and their friends. (laughs) Hold me kidnapped. I'll do my own talking to the board. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh. It says, have you appeared before the board of pardons? Remember, he's been arrested once for five days. And he writes, once a year, each year, for ten years. How is he filling out these applications? He's just hanging out at his house, filling out these applications in his free time because he's insane. He's just got like a rock and he's making marks in the brick. Let me go, Democrat kidnappers. His wife is just like, this motherfucker doesn't even know my birthday. Why am I still here? Oh, man. He's clearly crazy. He thinks the government has kidnapped him. He thinks the government murdered his wife, which caused his parents to die of grief. Huh. So, so does that mean he murdered his wife? Maybe, but the wife's death certificate, her, um, in the paper, old people check it to see if their friends are dead yet. The obituary. In the obituaries. She, it says she died of natural causes. So I don't think she was murdered by the government. Is being stabbed to death by your crazy husband a natural cause, though? How about this? Is being stabbed and then naturally bleeding out the stab wound? I don't know. It says she just died from a from a regular death, but it's possible the Democrat kidnappers made that up. I it sounds like she was suicided. Yeah. I put nothing past Democrat kidnappers. She was she was obviously suicided by Hillary, and that's that's the answer to the Lily E. Gray six 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 case. So you can all stop coming to Salt Lake City and gawking at her grave. Yeah, go protest Hillary. My favorite part. Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> Another part that just like kind of makes me sad on Elmer's behalf is that much like when you give someone roses as a gift and red means like romance and yellow means friendship and pink means like a daughter, on the gravestones, whatever is engraved there, it has a kind of a meaning as well. And so Lily's grave is engraved with primroses, which are also nicknamed the Devil's Lantern, which might be why her husband chose them. And primroses, they mean things like eternal youth, gone too soon, eternal memory, beauty, pretty girl stuff. But whoever buried Elmer, his grave is covered in carvings of daffodils, which mean narcissism and vanity. So whoever buried him was not a fan of what he had going on. <laughs> he was insane. I, I, I don't blame whoever put the daffodils on there. He was clearly crazy. Maybe he wasn't, and he was actually held in a secret facility for 10 years. I mean, there's no way of knowing. Maybe that's what the vanity means. Maybe he thought he was so important to the government that they would hold him. And his family was like, this asshole thinks the government's suiciding him? He's just a bum. (laughs) (laughs) Just some bum named Woodrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we'll never really find out what happened to Lily E. Gray. I like to believe that her, her crazy husband couldn't deal with her passing, because that makes for a better story. I think the best story is she was fucked to death by Aleister Crowley. Yeah. But we don't have any paperwork for that. That's that's fine. Aleister Crowley, he didn't need paperwork. <laughs> Not for a thing he did. Yeah, he was... <laughs> he needed no paperwork. I can't imagine that man kept records. But All right, I'm going to move into my story. And we're going to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, most of my information comes from a YouTube documentary made by Steve White uh, based on an article... By Joni Mayen. Uh, so I'm going to start first with what a skinwalker is. A skinwalker is a Navajo legend, but I'm not going to say the word Navajo again in this podcast because that's not what they're called. They're called the Diné. If you, you want to argue about that, I will argue with you. 
but it's a Diné legend about shapeshifters. It's really similar to the European idea of a werewolf. These guys can turn into anything. So the way you become a skinwalker, you have to reach the highest order of being the medicine man or witch, and then you have to do the ultimate sin, which is to kill a close family member. And then as soon as you do that, you've become evil, and because of your evil awesomeness, you get the ability to change into different animals. Um, and the way they change into animals kind of differs from specific legend to legend. The generally accepted version, though, is that they can change into whatever animal, uh, the hide that they're wearing. So if they're wearing eagle feathers, they can turn into an eagle. If they're wearing deerskin pants, they can turn into deer. Specifically to Skinwalker Ranch, the way that they say that this, the specific Skinwalker who lives there came into being was that the Utes living in the area worked with a man named Kit Carson to drive the Diné off their land. And so they went in and slaughtered this group of people and doing so created a skinwalker. And the skinwalker still lives on that ranch in Shadow Canyon. Now we don't have any information really about this place from the 1860s up until 1994 when the Shermans buy the ranch, Terry and Gwen Sherman. Now when they first buy this ranch, they're kind of amazed at how cheap it is. The, the area that, this is, that the ranch is located in is beautiful. There's mountains on all sides. There's a stream that runs through the ranch. There's like a forest area around it. They got almost 500 acres for just obscenely cheap, they thought. And they were like, I can't believe this place has just not had anybody living in it for years. And so... They move in and they want to they get out of the city and they want to raise their kids on this beautiful ranch in this beautiful place and become cattle farmers. And so when they first move there, they get there the day they're moving all their stuff into the house. Terry's father is there helping him unpack. And as they're moving all the stuff in, all of a sudden out of the forest and towards the ranch house comes this enormous wolf. And when I say it's enormous, it is chest high to Terry and his father. And those, both of those men are over six feet tall. So this is a big-ass wolf. And the wolf just kind of looks at him for a while. And then it walks up to him and starts rubbing up against him like it's a dog trying to get pet. Just a real friendly wolf? Just really friendly. And at first, so they're, the, the two men are kind of scared. But then the wife, Gwen, and the children are standing over by like the trailer that they've got all their stuff in. And they're just terrified because this thing... It's a monster, essentially. It, it is way too big. But the wolf is just being friendly. It's just rubbing up against them, having a good time. They're petting it. And eventually, the Gwen comes over and starts petting it. And the kids are looking at it. And they're like, oh, yeah, look how wonderful this wolf is. Maybe it's like a, a half-wolf, half-dog breed. Maybe it's been domesticated somehow by whoever lived here before. Who knows? But then, the wolf looks over away from the family, sees their calves that are sitting in their little corral and it goes berserk and it runs over to the calves and grabs one of them by the head and is trying to pull it through the fence in what is undoubtedly a horrible, gruesome scene. And so the two men, Terry and his father, run over and they start trying to get this wolf off the calf. And they're, so they're hitting it, they're kicking it, they're punching it. They, one of them has eventually grabbed a big stick and is whacking it over and over again. And the wolf's not letting go? No, the wolf is not letting go. It's not even looking at him. It doesn't care. It's being totally unfazed by these attacks. And so Terry is finally like, go grab my gun. And his wife runs over and grabs his big-ass gun. It's a forty-four Magnum. And for those of you who don't know about guns, that's a big fucking gun. And he, he takes the revolver and he aims it at the wolf, and bam, shoots the wolf in the back. The wolf doesn't even turn around or do anything. Is still trying to get this calf. So this wolf has been hit by, by a big old shotgun or a handgun? This is an enormous forty-four caliber bullet, which is, that's a big-ass bullet. And he's like, oh god. He takes it again, bam, shoots it through the chest where its heart should be. Nothing. Is it, is it bleeding out? Is it crying? It just it pretends no. nothing's happening? It, it, is, it is making no acknowledgement to anything they're doing. And then he takes it again, shoots it a third time through the chest, the same area. The wolf finally lets go of the calf, 
turns over to them and just looks at the family. It's just his feelings are hurt? Yeah, he's just looking at him like, what the hell do you think you're doing? He shoots it a fourth time, uh, hitting it again in the chest. Apparently this guy's an amazing shot under pressure. I'm actually mostly impressed with his marksmanship over the wolf's abilities. And so... And this big old magnum isn't working. No, it's not working at all. Eventually Terry's father is like, oh shit, this is a real problem. He runs off, grabs his shotgun out of his truck... And he takes it and bam, shoots the wolf. And when he hits the wolf, you can see it's throwing fur and wolf flesh and blood. And the wolf doesn't move. So this wolf has been like splattered. She's just shooting like blood and gunk everywhere from behind him. He's been hit for sure. And the he, wolf doesn't care. No. And then he shoots the wolf again. Bam. And the wolf finally starts walking away. And the wolf... Uh, he shoots at it one last time, hitting it in the back as the wolf is walking away. The wolf finally takes off running after being hit the last time. Terry and his father go and they decide, we're going to follow this thing. That thing is a monster. We need to make sure it's dead so it doesn't come back. They follow this wolf. They're following the blood trail. They're following the tracks. And as they get around a barn or it was some farm building, they get around it. The tracks disappear and the blood disappears. There is no trace that anything has come through this area. And so the next like few years while they're living here, all over the farm, they're seeing weird things. They're seeing glowing orbs every single night that are just floating four or five feet off the ground and just moving around all over the farm. They're seeing faces in the windows. Uh, eventually they start seeing apparitions inside the house. Uh, just at the foot of their bed, they're hearing voices all the time. They're having, uh, and this actually persists throughout the time on the Sherman Ranch and when it eventually gets renamed to the Skinwalker Ranch, that people who go there hallucinate voices and they hallucinate images. And it's almost like something is trying to communicate telepathically with them. Someone's putting pictures in their heads. And something that I forgot to mention while talking about the Diné legend of Skinwalkers they can read your minds. They can interact with you telepathically to make you more afraid. And so they're having trouble sleeping. Their cattle are being mutilated. They're just finding dead calves and dead cows as time goes on with their genitals ripped off. They're finding calves with eyes removed almost like surgically is how they describe it. Uh, one night they're seeing more orbs and for some reason, they have three, three of their farm dogs chase off after this orb. And the, the wife, Gwen, is cheering on these dogs like, yeah, go get that thing. Go get whatever that is. And the dogs run off, disappear into the forest at the edge of the farm. And, and they, they cannot find them anywhere. And they decide, all right, we'll go to bed for tonight, come back in the morning, and find those dogs. They go out into the forest the next day. Just on the edge of the forest, they find three scorched circles with, like, meat and burned flesh. Someone melted their dogs? Something melted their dogs. Something, like, disintegrated those dogs into a pile of melted flesh. Damn. So, at this point, the kids are having a hard time in school, obviously, because they can't sleep. The parents are freaked out. Everybody's stressed. It's a horrible time for everybody involved. So, they sell the ranch. They sell it to some hotel tycoon whose name is Robert Bigelow. He buys the place specifically to do research on the paranormal. He loves paranormal stuff. And so he hires a bunch of former military guys to be guards. And he founds an organization called NIDS, which is the National Institute for Discovery Science. And he has all these guys, these scientists, he has physicists, he has a biochemist on site to go and figure out what the hell is going on with this farm. So they own this farm. There's the, the regular occurrences for the ranch from 1996 to 1997. Just orbs, mysterious noises, voices. Nobody knows what's going on, really. 1997, things start getting worse. So one day during an insane snowstorm, it's a blizzard, and they go out the next day once the snowstorm has subsided, they find three calves all wounded with weird... They're not like an animal grabbed them and ripped them apart. They are like surgical cuts Something is into these animals. Cut. 
the animal's abdomen's open. Yes. The weirdest part about this is, like, when you initially hear this, your first thought is, like, oh, it's just a weird wound by an animal. Animals don't hunt during snowstorms. When there's a snowstorm, you don't go out if you're an animal. You stay inside and stay warm. You bunker down because they don't have, like, mittens. They just have little paws. Exactly. So they stay bunkered down. But three calves in one night during a snowstorm have been just... Fucked. Yeah. And animal hunting doesn't make sense because it wouldn't leave any meat behind. It would have eaten them if they hunted them. Exactly. But they weren't eaten. They were just ripped to shreds. So something did it just to do it. Exactly. And so then in the spring, this one's one of the weirder cases. One calf they find out in the field. It has no blood. There's no blood around the calf. There's no blood in any of its wounds. It just got chupacabra It has no internal organs, and it has been spread eagle. Like something has ripped it apart and purposefully spread it out. And then the weirdest thing is the calf's ear that has the tag to identify it has been cut off. Now the difference between cutting something and an animal tearing it off is when you tear something, there's a jagged edge. This was a smooth cut as if done with a knife or scissors or something like that and they never find that ear or that tag it's just gone forever see up until the no blood thing i would have said oh someone's just messing with them yeah but this is this is a weird like a like a vampire came out sucked out it kind of sounds like so cattle stealing is a big deal even in like 2017 america and you would have to remove the tag so that no one could accuse you of cattle stealing so it sounds like somebody with like intelligence took the cow drained the blood intentionally disemboweled it like they were going to butcher it and then left it behind yeah it's super weird so this next story this was actually from the winter before the calf uh, that this was found before drained the wolf, or no? no no this is not before the wolf this is so this is before the calf after the three calves who were all killed during the snowstorm they go out And they hear a bunch of weird noises. The animals are freaking out. The dogs are scared and like howling and crying in their cages. And so they go out and they're like, what the hell's going on? And they see the cows, the herd of cows has moved to one side of the pen. And there's another cow just standing out in the forest between two trees. And they're like, that cow's in trouble because cows don't naturally separate themselves from the herd ever. Cows stick together at all times unless something's wrong with one of them. And so they go out to that cow to try to figure out what's wrong. And they look up in the trees and they see two enormous amber eyes looking down at them. And they're like, oh God, that's got to be a mountain lion or something. We don't want to mess with that. So too they, big to be an owl. Yeah, too they're big to be an owl. Lion. Yeah, they're, they're enormous. But their they're first thought, mountain lion. Mm-hmm. And so they take their high-powered hunting rifle they've taken with them. They aim it, and they shoot at the eyes. The eyes immediately disappear, and you can hear noises rustling through the trees. So they go out the next morning to try to find the tracks of whatever that was. Now, this is a forest filled with snow. Things leave tracks. As they're going through the forest, they're not finding anything. And they go out, and it goes into a clearing, and there's still no tracks. The only tracks that they can find are from an enormous bird of prey. I'm not talking about like a regular eagle or a hawk or anything normal. This is an enormous track that's bigger than like the size of a full grown man's hand. I've seen the pictures of the tracks they're talking about. And they are, it looks like a monster has left weird bird tracks. Just some kind of velociraptor has been stomping around. Exactly, and there's nothing else. They can't find any other evidence of another animal being out there besides these freakishly huge tracks. Just just super owl eating a cow, just something giant. Exactly. Weird. So as we move into the summer of 97, or of 98, I'm sorry, there's a weird incident. Four bulls have just disappeared in broad daylight, middle of the day. A guy goes out to the corral where they've got bulls and they're just not there. And so they're looking all around the farm to see like maybe they got out, maybe they ran off, maybe they doing whatever bulls do. They can't find any evidence of anything. The fence is fine. The gate was closed and locked. They cannot find these bulls anywhere though. And so one of the workers goes and decides, oh, we'll go look in this old trailer designed for transporting calves. 
you know, just to see. And as he approaches the trailer, he can see that it's still covered in dust. The door is covered in cobwebs. And he looks inside the trailer, and there's four bulls inside it. Just all, all crammed together in a thing made for baby cows? Yeah, just these... all super crammed together. But they somehow got into it without, without actually going into it. Exactly. So according to this guy, the door, there's no way that it could have been opened. The way that it's still covered in webs and all that. And these bulls are just calmly standing in this super tight space. So they're almost shoulder to shoulder. So they open up the door and the bulls awake from what was like a trance-like state. And they start doing what bulls do in that situation. Slamming against the sides of the trailer, freaking out. Because one, bulls don't like being next to each other. And two, they are crammed mm -hmm. into this tiny space. And so it's, it's a weird thing because when you try to move bulls, moving a bull from anywhere is like an all-day affair. It is a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. And according to the guys on this ranch, trying to get one bull into that trailer would have been the biggest pain in the ass imaginable. Getting four of them into it is an impossible task. There's no way anyone could have done that. But the weirdest part about this whole thing is not that the bulls were moved and found in a trailer because, you know, that could be explained away as like, oh, well, they just drugged the bulls and put them in a thing and it was mm -hmm. fine. No, the weirdest thing is when they go back to the corral where the bulls were taken from, it's magnetically it's charged. It's magnetic. How? There's, they have no explanation. Just for no reason, the fence around that corral is now magnetic. So something released a shitload of energy in that pen. Like it's, actual electricity, like not actual even like spiritual electric energy. electric energy. That's... Yeah. So something has happened that it is, it's magnetic. From now on, just random things on the farm will become magnetically charged. They cannot find a reason for it. Just all of a sudden, a trailer will become magnetically charged. Or another fence is just now magnetic. You spend your whole life, you, your keys just get ripped out of your pocket occasionally. You just can't, just can't carry a hard drive around the farm because who knows what's magnetic. It's hope to God you don't have to get a filling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's actually true. Electronic devices do not work on the ranch. They just... They've never worked properly on the ranch, and it only got worse from here. So sometime later, they're, they're seeing all these lights all across the farm, and they, they keep seeing these orbs. This has been constant. And they decide, you know what? We're going to go up on the cliff, and we're going to take a look down from there with some binoculars and look at what's happening. Try to see if we can figure out where these orbs are coming from, where they're going. What are we actually looking at here? And they're up on this cliff, overlooking the ranch, and they see an orb appear in the middle of the sky. It's like 150 yards out from them, so it's it's a fair distance. And one of the guys is like, hey, have the binoculars. I want to look at that and figure out what's happening because the, the orb is slowly growing. The light is getting bigger. And he takes out his binoculars and looks at it, and he sees that the orb is opening up into a tunnel and out of this tunnel walks a black humanoid figure a fucking alien and the the orb just disappears it's gone was the was the humanoid figure still there no they couldn't see it cuz it's pitch black it's the middle of the night the lights have gone away they can't see him and at first they're like oh that's weird i'm glad that orb disappeared until one of them points out whatever the fuck just stepped out of that tunnel is is sharing this darkness with us is out here in the dark and we don't know where it is we can't see it let's get the fuck out of here wow so 1999 they finally decide you know what we're going to start setting up cameras we're going to start recording everything that goes on here and the cameras are malfunctioning all the time but when the cameras do work they start to just disappear Someone's stealing the cameras. Something's stealing the cameras, or they're just broken. And if you'll remember, the guy who owns this place has hired a bunch of former military guys to guard the ranch. So if you think it's vandalism, first of all, this place is in the middle of nowhere. Second, they're getting past former military guys, and to break and steal shitty security cameras? It's just crazy. 
Uh, and then one of the last stories that was interesting, I thought, was that there's a scientist who claims that he found a whole bunch of rods of element 115. Um, and element 115 doesn't exist naturally on Earth. You can't find it anywhere. It has to be synthesized in a lab. He claims that he made a whole bunch of it while he was working at Area 51. But that story's a little... You know, like if you found those rods, maybe show us the rods. But now, for the absolute scariest story of the whole ranch. I'm excited. I'm invested. And this one... This one's back from the, when the Shermans were living there, and this happened to Gwen. So Gwen has been having a hard life. She's living on this haunted-ass farm. She's, you know that it's not a happy thing being a cow farmer. She lived in the city her whole life. So she's just surrounded by the smell of cow shit and of horrible monsters or ghosts or aliens or something. Yeah, and I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. Just, like, their livelihood were those cows. Exactly. And they're just being ripped apart. And so she is on a daily basis having the livelihood taken from her. And there's spooky shit happening in her home, like ghostly apparitions watching her sleep, you said. And so she goes out one day and she buys a big truckload of groceries. And she comes into the house and unloads all these groceries. And she's finally, she's finished all this work and she's just taking a deep breath in the kitchen, relaxing. And she turns around and the groceries are all still in the bag. When will the madness end? They poltergeisted her. <laughs> Next you're going to tell me they stacked all the chairs on the table. <laughs> that, that one kind of makes me doubt the whole thing. It's like, you just forgot to unload the groceries. It's okay to admit. You're, you're living a horrible life. You can forget to Ooh, unload groceries. What if Mr. Sherman was just an asshole? He would, like, scream at her. So when he came in, she goes, Why well, was the aliens? Or what if, what if their kids were just running around behind her unloading the groceries as she was putting them away? <laughs> yeah, if you, if you think about it that way, everything is kind of explainable. There are, like, half-dog, half-wolves that aren't afraid of people. There are places on Earth where things just get magnetic because the rocks are magnetic and so your computer won't work. There are places where there are animals that'll eat a cow. You could, I guess, conceivably be a cow thief who drugs some bulls. But this is a lot of could possible rare events happening in one place. It's a, it's a mm. lot of weird stuff happening. Uh, some of the theories as to why. So first... Aliens. First is the Skinwalkers. The That's skinwalker. why it's called Skinwalker Ranch. There's a Skinwalker running around. And anytime you have a skinwalker around, you're going to get all kinds of weird... Because other... they're magic. Exactly. They're magic, so they're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff. So they're just releasing energy left and right. And exactly. probably, if there is a, a Danae skinwalker, he wants the Shermans to fuck off. This is his This is his land. This is his place. Exactly. He's probably trying to sell well, their see, cows. And... My thought with that, though, is if he was angry at the people, why didn't he just murder them as a giant wolf? Now that's because, according to some versions of the Skinwalker legend, they kind of work like a vampire. You have to invite them into your house for them to get you. I think, I think them shooting you four times is an invitation to get them. Yeah, it kind of feels why, like... Why was he rubbing all on their chest like a friend? Was it just wiener stuff? Did he just have a boner for it? I don't, I don't know the psychology of Skinwalker boners. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> He probably just likes getting pet. Dogs like getting pet. People like getting pet. But the, se the second most popular theory is aliens who are coming through an interdimensional doorway hidden in that same shadow canyon. And that's, that could possibly explain you know, what was going on with the weird orb that the black figure stepped out of. It could explain the weird energy. It could explain... It's surgically opening up these cows because it wants to know what's up with mammals. Exactly. Okay, but why did it disguise itself as a giant bird with the... Maybe they just have the weird track. feet. Yeah. And there's... Okay. I don't know. The I, aliens just have bird feet. But they didn't feet. find them anywhere else in the snow. There was just one, one guy with spot. dumb feet. <laughs> but even then, you'd still see the dumb feet tracking all the way around the forest. Or the aliens are fucking with you. Yeah. That's the most likely scenario. If there's sure. aliens, they're fucking with you. But then why did they put the track at all? Fucking with you. No. It's that, to throw you off the, the trail. Maybe maybe There's they not a trail, there's a track. <laughs> maybe the aliens like left the portal open, like sometimes you leave the back door open and someone's pet giant owl got out. 
Mm. And then it flew away, as owls always do. <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Don't make the face. Uh, a third and fairly popular in the conspiracy community is that the U.S. government oh, no. is using the Skinwalker Ranch as a testing ground for alien clones and all kinds of paranormal activity. And so that's causing the ranch to be haunted, but also skinwalkered, but also aliens. It's just all of those things at once because the government owns the ghosts and the skinwalker and the aliens. And just everything that they've like put tests on, they're like, let's just dump it in Utah. Who cares? There's no one in Utah. Yeah, they just dump it in that canyon and they're like, yeah, go for, go for it. You know, I'm not your dad. It's a reality TV show. They just want to know, like, who will win, the aliens or the chupacabras? <laughs> <laughs> I would I would watch Alien v. Chupacabra, actually. <laughs> that sounds way better than, like, Alien v. Predator was. That was. Maybe it was a predator. Maybe predators are the chupacabras. Oh, maybe. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a terrible. Not maybe. <laughs> Oh my god. Man, but it's. Skinwalker Ranch is, according to most people, the most paranormal place either in the United States. Some people say it's the most paranormal place in the world. But also, nobody's ever been able to actually document anything going on because their complaints are like, oh, well, it makes your cameras all blurry so they don't work anymore. And It's a little convenient. Right? So it's hard to know, but... It's also in the middle of nowhere. So you can't really go check on it. So interesting thing about it being in the middle of nowhere is that... So there are other places kind of around it. They're like 30 miles down the road or whatever. Just other ranches? Other ranches, but there, there's like a town that's 25 miles away or whatever. Okay. And they do have an abnormally high amount of reports of paranormal activity including you know mostly ufo sightings hmm. um, an interesting story about that so there was a guy who was driving down the road with his uh it was his fiance at the time they were coming from wisconsin headed to vegas to go get married and so they're driving down the road super fast just having a good time and then they look out uh the window behind them and they see there's a weird red light that's following them. And at first they think, oh, it must be taillights or whatever. Maybe we passed a car and just forgot about it. Mm -hmm. But this red light is getting closer and closer and closer. So he speeds up trying to get away from this thing. It is just continually inching closer. And as it gets close enough, they can see the outline of a huge spacecraft with that red light on it that's just following them. And so they're in a panic. They take the nearest exit, go into the red stop, rest stop, and just lay on their horn, honking, trying to get somebody's attention. Nobody comes out. Nobody interacts with them. But after so long of sitting still, the red light just gets bored, is all they can tell, and flies away, just leaves them. And they're like, okay, whatever that was, you know, maybe we're crazy. We're just going to keep going down the road. We got we to gotta get out of here. This place is haunted. And so they're going down the road still. And then the fiance looks out the window to her side and the red light is right next to them, hauling ass, keeping pace with them the whole time and follows them for like 30 miles. And they are terrified. They don't know what's going to happen. And after all this has happened, eventually the light gets bored again, leaves them. And after all this happens... They go, and the husband looks up the place that they were at. He was like, what the hell is going on here? I've got to know more about this place. Turns out he's like maybe 20 miles away from the Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh. Wow. So it was the government, or the aliens, or the chupacabras. Yeah, exactly. Or just like a guy on a motorcycle trying to fuck. Must have been the chupacabras, obviously. <laughs> Come on. Maybe it was the ghost semi from Highway 666. Do you know about that? 
No, what do you got? There's just there's just a highway in Utah that used to be called 666. They changed the name because it was too spooky for Mormons, I assume. But <laughs> the, there are stories people talk about all the time that they'd be driving down the road, and then a huge-ass semi-truck would be driving down the center on like the dotted line so you can't pass him, and he would just rush you going the wrong way down this road, and you would pull off the road so you didn't get murdered by this giant semi. And when you turned around, there was no truck. Are we 100% sure this wasn't just a dick in a semi-truck who would then turn off his lights to mess with people? We have no way of knowing. I like to think that because it's Highway 666, it's just Satan in the truck, just spooking people. Yeah, Satan comes up to be a trucker for a couple hours a night. <laughs> but, if but Satan's also... going to have any job, it's not going to be a good one. It's going to be... But he's also just hanging out in the voodoo caves. He's yeah. got time to be in both places. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Clearly, he's just living in the voodoo caves. Oh, okay. <laughs> he never he never goes on vacation to Highway 666? I don't know if he was going to go on vacation anywhere. He doesn't drive a Mack truck with just, like, horns over the headlights to make him spooky? I would hope Satan has something cooler than that going on. That he's not just a cartoon-ass devil? <laughs> I like the idea that it's the, it's the devil from Cow and Chicken. That's just what Satan is. Do you remember that show? Of course I remember that show. That would be the best if it's just, just... Just got a shiny butt out all the time. Yeah, just a weird, kind of vaguely gay in a way that only the 90s could get away with. In 90s cartoon, there were a lot of like devil characters who were vaguely gay. Remember him from the Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. At one point, he's like in a bathtub and he's naked, but there's like bubbles around his hips. And he's just, he's just doing his weird him voice, talking about how those little girls are stopping him from taking over the world. Yeah, just the whole time he's like... Ooh, those Powerpuff Girls are ruining my day again. I better use these lobster claws to get nice and clean in my bubble bath. Wow. <laughs> All right. Were you the voice actor for the character? I wish. That'd be awesome. Jesus. Oh, we need to move on. All right. I mean, that's all I've got on Skinwalker Ranch. All right. So I'm going to rate Utah 10 out of 10, just weirdly spooky AF. I'm going to go ahead and rate Skinwalkers 10 out of 10, would shapeshift again. Hey, and I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, fuck John Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> and his lame-ass ghost story. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you can find us for more episodes on podcast.com. We'll also be on iTunes and... Just kind of wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can send us an email at 10 out of 10 pod at gmail.com. That's 10-O-U-T-T-A-1-0-P-O-D at gmail.com. All right, that's it. Uh, again, I'm Michaela. I'm Alex. And I'm Max. And thank you for listening.